In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. In other words, if you can hear what I'm saying, then hear what I'm saying. And at first, this seems like a useless uh, or redundant syllogism. But Jesus is teaching us something here today. And he tells us that there are some who have ears to hear, which also means that there are some who don't have ears to hear. Now, I'm not saying that some haven't had the opportunity to hear it or just haven't been at the right place at the right time. I'm saying that some have heard the same words, uh, heard this, uh, sang the same hymns, heard, read the same Bible, heard the same sermons, and those words have hit their ears, but they have not heard those words. God's word is God's word no matter what, whether we have faith to believe it or not. But when God's word is preached, there are some who don't hear it. They are deaf, in other words, to the Lord Jesus, and their ears are closed to him. So, if you're hearing these words right now and paying attention to them, then these words are for you. And if you're not listening or paying attention, then they're not for you. When Jesus speaks the parable of the sower, the the gospel lesson for today, he's not talking to unbelievers who cannot hear him or understand what he's saying. That parable, he is speaking to Christians. This is for you who have been blessed to receive the word of God into your ear and into your heart to do, uh, to, to receive it as only the word of God can do. That is, give you faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. This is the work of the word. And this, dear saints, is the secret or the mystery that you can't give yourself ears to hear. God does it. Psalm 40, verse 6 says, My ears, Lord, you have opened. If you hear the word of God right now, it's because the Holy Spirit has already worked in your heart through the word. And if you have faith, this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. John 6, 29 says, This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. In other words, if you believe in God, it's not your work and your doing, but it is God's work and his doing. So we confess this uh, when we explain the third article of the creed. We say, I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. But he has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts and so on. And this is what Jesus says in verse 9 and 10. He says, when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, to you, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. And notice that Jesus doesn't say, you know, the secrets of the kingdom of God because you have earned it or you've deserved it because you're smarter and better than others or more attentive and more serious. He says, it has been given to you. It has been given. It is a gift that you hear this sermon and these words right now, the word of God. Uh, Why are you listening and paying attention at all? It's because the Holy Spirit has given you the ability to do that. Now, with all this being said, this parable that Jesus teaches you today is not for the unbeliever, but for the believer. And it is a warning. This parable is a warning for you. It is not a parable on how you get faith. 
It's a parable on how you lose it, on how you lose that gift. So the presupposition here is that if you're hearing this, it means you still have faith, no matter how weak and small that faith might be. So if you're concerned that you may have drifted and become one of these first three soils that fall away, if you're concerned that faith has died in your heart and that you may not be a Christian anymore, if you're concerned about that, then that means that most certainly you are not one of those three soils. Not, not yet, at least. If you're concerned about falling away, then that means that you most certainly have not fallen away. Not yet. If you're concerned that you've lost the faith, then you have not yet lost the faith. Because if you were one of those three soils, then you wouldn't care. You wouldn't care about what the parable says or about the soil or the seed or even the sermon at all. You wouldn't even care or listen to it. In fact, the only reason you are concerned with what the parable says is if you can actually hear what the parable says. If you can hear and understand what it's teaching. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says that you need to examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. And I would suggest that this is the way to test yourself, to examine yourself. If losing the faith, if losing Jesus, if, if losing salvation, if burning in hell forever is something that doesn't bother you, then you're no longer in the faith. But if it does... If those things bother you, then there is at the very least one final spark or ember of faith left in your heart. And the purpose of this parable is to fan that to flame, to grow that little seed and to keep it from dying altogether. So let me put it another way. Jesus, he doesn't warn people who have already fallen off the edge of the cliff, right? Uh, if, if someone falls off a cliff, there's no use in saying, watch out for the edge of the cliff, right? If, if they're midair and they're falling and they're plummeting to the rocks, it's already too late to say something at that point. So there's no use in telling someone who's in a casket, be careful, watch your step, there's a cliff back there. It's, it's over, right? At that point, it's done. They're dead and they can't hear. In the same way, the Lord doesn't warn people who have already fallen or those who are gone, whose faith has died. If you've fallen away, this sermon won't help you because you won't even hear it. However, the Lord does warn people who are wandering too close to the edge of the cliff. Those who are dangerously close to the edge. Those who are teetering on the edge, these he warns. And if you're scared of falling away, it means you haven't fallen away, but you may be very close to falling away. And the only way you won't fall away is if you listen to these words and take them to heart. What I'm saying here is that I don't know what the condition of your heart is this morning or your faith right now. And I have no idea how close you are to the edge. And you may be a lot closer than you think, even. These could be the words that pull you back. 
Or these could be the last words you hear as a Christian if you ignore them and keep going your way. I don't know. But what I do know is that if you're hearing this right now, no matter what has happened or what you're going through, it's not too late. Today is the day of salvation. Repent now because you may not get tomorrow. Know that if you don't take these words to heart, then you are one step closer to losing the faith, to falling off the cliff, to a place of no return. So if you can hear what I'm saying, then hear what I'm saying. All right, now for the next part of this sermon, I want to go through the three warnings that Jesus gives. The three things that will kill your faith. And the first is the seed that fell along the path that was trampled underfoot. And Jesus says the birds of the air devoured it. And he later says that that's the devil who snatches the word away from your heart. And then Jesus says what this means. He says the ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. That's not really the right translation or the best one. In Greek, the word believe there is in the participle form. And that means it's better translated as having believed. So altogether, it should say, the ones along the path are those who have heard, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they would not, comma, having believed, comma, be saved. What it's saying is that Even in the first soil, they still believed they had faith, but it was short-lived. It died, the devil snatched that faith away, that word away. Now, the Gospel of Luke doesn't go into this more, but Matthew does, and records that Jesus says that these are the ones who hear the word of God, a word of the kingdom, and do not understand it. So this first soil has to do with your mind, with if you're paying attention or not. So simply letting the word of God go in one ear and out the other without grabbing a hold of it or having it embedded into your heart, comprehending or understanding it, that is the problem with the first soil. It's not that you need a certain IQ or intelligence, but rather that you ought to pay attention to it. Simply put, those who fall away, those who stop paying attention, fall away. They did, they paid attention at one time, but then they stopped. They no longer study the word or search the scriptures or seek to understand what God says. And when this happens, the devil comes and snatches away the little bit of the word that was left and the little bit that you did know, and it's taken away, so you're left with nothing. So let me put it into practical terms, into the plainest language possible. If you come to church and you sit down in a pew and you mentally check out and daydream and stop paying attention and listening to the word, then it is only a matter of time that you will fall away. If you leave church on a Sunday and somebody asks you, what was the sermon about? What was this Sunday about? And you say, I don't know then you are that first soil, at least in those moments. Just hearing the noises and syllables in the church without paying attention and grasping and 
trying to understand what it means without taking it to heart will end in unbelief. That is the first warning. The second soil, the second warning is the rocky ground. Jesus says, they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while. They believe, they have faith for a while. And in a time of testing, then they fall away. So they have a shallow faith. A faith without any depth. They're Christians as long as it is easy to be a Christian. As long as it doesn't require a tough conversation or any inconvenience or giving up any things on my part, any reconciling, any change of life, any amending of ways. They're here for the thrill, for the joyful times, the excitement of building a new church or seeing a church grow, an active church, these sort of things. They're here for that. But then when there is strife, a time of testing, there's disagreement or trouble, they pull away and their faith dies. When the world starts mocking and deriding you for being a Christian, these would rather find favor in the world than keep their faith in the Lord. And because they have no roots, they were clinging to the good and exciting times of the Christian life. And then they fall away when it is difficult, when they don't get what they ask for or what they want. And they leave in challenging times. Now, you Christians need to examine why you're here in church. If you're here out of habit or for social reasons or to find friends or because it's convenient, or whatever it may be, then you have a shallow faith that in time will die in times of testing. And if you're content with God as long as your life is going well, as long as you're healthy and wealthy and successful, and this is a God you can trust in and pray to and believe in, then beware because you are dangerously close to the edge. Faith that has roots is a faith that trusts in God in the midst of suffering, while suffering. Now, I'll say it this way. Don't use your suffering and trouble as a way to pull away from the church or God's word. In fact, use that suffering as a way to drive the word deeper into your soul. When you go to the hospital, bring your Bible, your Bible, Bring your hymnal. Bring your crucifix. When there's trouble and strife, don't distance yourself from the church. Drive the word deeper into your soul and to your spirit and hold on to Jesus' word all the more. The third soil is the one of, with the weeds and the thorns. And Jesus says this. He says, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way are choked By the cares and pleasures of life. The cares and riches and pleasures of life and their fruit does not mature. Now the first two soils, the faith dies rather quickly. But this last way takes a long time. And this is for those of you who have been Christians maybe a long time in your life. Who are in an older age or who have been Christian since the day of your birth. And this is the faith that has roots and that it grows up. 
But the warning here is this, that it is slowly, slowly choked to death by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. Like, now, let, let me tell you this. Here in Florida, we have weeds everywhere. Uh, I'm not talking about the ground. <laughs> I'm talking about our life, what life is like. It's a life of leisure here. It doesn't snow. It's always sunny. It's always a good day to go to the beach. Every Sunday is a good day to go to the beach. Every Sunday is a good day to go to the theme park. All the days are good to hang around and eat and, and visit with people and do all sorts of great things. So it's easy to sit back and relax and to not take anything too seriously or to take church too seriously or the word or theology, so on and so forth. And I'm assuming that's why the majority of all of you have moved here to Florida and not further north or something like this. God has blessed us with a good state, a great weather, great things around us. But these things, these cares and riches and pleasures, the Lord says, are weeds. And if you are attached to them and you grow up in the midst of them, if you're attached to a particular sin or a thing or a behavior and that you keep going back to, this will grow with you and it will choke out the faith that you have. The word that is in your heart, it will choke that out if you don't pluck it out, if you don't take it out. If you don't take these weeds out, the weeds will take you out. I can't tell you how many times I've seen people schedule things for Sunday morning during church, which we've been meeting on Sundays for 2,000 years. (laughs) Uh, And they schedule something for a Sunday morning and then they do it again the next Sunday and the next one and the one after that. And before you know it, they're nowhere to be found. Uh, Now I want to talk to the parents in particular, especially those of you who still have children uh, with you in your home. The best place in the world for your child to be is right here in church with you. And the worst place for your child to be is anywhere else on Sunday morning. Take this warning seriously and to heart. Don't enroll your children in things that compete with their Sunday morning. You get one chance to raise your children. One You have one chance to train them in the way they should go. And you don't get those days back when they are gone. They are gone. Your child is one once. They're two once. They're ten once. They're eighteen once. And they're gone. It is not worth throwing those days and years away for a ribbon that will fade and fray. Or a trophy that's going to rust and crack and then be thrown in the attic somewhere. I'm not saying that your kids can't play sports or do things. Just don't do it on Sunday. Just at least on a Sunday morning. Do it after church. Do it before church. Do it any other time. You have 168 hours of the week. Do it in one of the 167 hours of the week. The rewards, the fun, and the paycheck is not worth your soul. I know this, that no parent ever sets out to destroy their child's faith. That's not the intention. That's not the motivation. But I can tell you that many, I can't tell you how many Christians have uh, told me 
these parents have told me that their biggest mistake was leaving their children at home or on a field or anywhere else on a Sunday morning. This is not only a warning for children, but also for all of you, that if you let too many things creep in on a Sunday, these things, this is a warning, these things will choke that Sunday out of your life and the word out of your heart. Those are the three warnings Jesus gives you today. And I want you to know this, that every year, this text, as a pastor, when I, when, I, when I come to this Sunday, every year, this text is more and more sobering to me because I've stood in this pulpit year after year, preached the same sermon on the same text year after year after year, and I shudder. I shudder to think how many people have heard This sermon eight years ago, three years ago, last year, and are not here to hear it this year. They were here. They were sitting right next to you. They heard the same exact warnings that you're hearing now, but they did not heed them. And from what I can tell, from what I can tell, I don't know, but it seems as if they've fallen off the cliff, as, and, and, as if this sermon that I'm preaching is going to fall on deaf ears. They won't hear it, and they can't hear it. But you, dear saints, you have ears to hear this. And you hear it, and you hear it well. To you, right now, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. Blessed are your ears for they hear. If you've made it this far into the sermon and if you're hearing this right now and if you're concerned about how close you've come to falling away, how inattentive you've been, how shallow your faith may have been, how many weeds are around your neck. And if you're concerned about this, then you have ears to hear and you are then that good soil who hears the word. And holds it fast in an honest and good heart. And in time, with patience, you'll bear fruit. Through his word, God creates a clean heart in you. He makes you the good soil that you are required to be. And he renews a right spirit within you. And in your heart this day, he plants deeply the preaching of his cross. Christ himself is the seed, the seed of the woman promised long ago, the word made flesh for you, and he drives himself deep into your soul and plants his righteousness in you and your forgiveness in you through his bitter suffering and death, and he feeds it with the blood in his veins. The secret of the kingdom of God has been revealed to you this day, and this is the secret, that this sermon that Jesus preached long ago was for you. This day, which means that this forgiveness is for you and this comfort is for you and God's salvation is for you. He gave you ears to hear this today and the one who gave you ears to hear this right now will give you ears again to hear this on the last day. So if you hear these words, you're his. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds.
In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.